0: So, Colleen, that sounded like an interesting problem you were describing there.
1: Well, I, it was discussed not that long ago, and I was just shocked that it wasn't unique to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but that I basically I hit stage eight, mm-hmm. and it's almost just like somebody flipped a switch. I just lost the, that strong motivation. I had to sit. Mm-hmm that's carried me through the last you know, four years of sitting like two hours a day. And so I'm really fighting to sort of come back from that to really start putting in some time again because I feel like I'm at sort of a pivotal point here. And I don't feel like I've really lost anything but I'm not progressing.
0: You know? Do you feel like you might have had some kind of um, some kind of insight happen?
1: Hmm. I mean, I don't know, I guess maybe, you know, I feel like I get these little tiny insights, but um, I think it was more a case that there was something driving me, Mm -hmm. and it was driving me towards this goal of being able to sit effortlessly, maybe not consciously, but when I hit that goal, I just sort of went, oh, you know, that's it.
0: So the reason I'm asking this question is because, um, it's actually really common for people when they have some degree of insight to experience changes in the way their motivation works.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: and so I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened to you, but uh-huh. it might be worth exploring because, you know, my experience was that uh, for whatever reason, this didn't happen to me with respect to meditation, but you know, we all have our different things. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, um, when you experience a dropping off of desire or a dropping off of, of, uh, aversion, um, then what worked before to get you to do the thing that you know you need to do doesn't work anymore. And moreover, um, you realize that it's dumb. Like you realize, Oh, I shouldn't be motivating myself this way. This is causing me pain. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. going to be a resistance to that motivation. Okay, Uh,
1: That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, if you can, if you can figure out a little bit of mental judo to, to like, to motivate yourself based on something else, then often that can, that can break through the resistance. Um, Because really the resistance is not to doing the thing. The resistance is to being motivated that way. Do you see what I mean? Okay.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So that's one thing that could be happening. The other thing that could be happening is you might be on the verge of an insight and there's a part of you that really doesn't want it. What?
1: Yeah. I do, I do feel some, you know, that there is some or almost a, uh, a physical sort of resistance, cool. you know, just, um, a tightening in the chest or something. So that, oh, that yeah. does kind of make sense. Okay. Thanks. Cool. But it's, it's just been interesting cause they were so easy for me to sit before now, oh. and it's not hard once I do sit down, but it's just so different. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Colleen, quickly, I just ask a question in the chat. I I was curious, what were the signs that showed you you were, or or, you know, indications that you had made the goals to uh, to enter into stage eight?
1: Well, basically, it's just um, that uh, it became just very simple, almost automatic, to just constantly notice every nuance of the breath in and out. And to the point where it's almost hard to break off from the breath. It's almost easier just to sit there and just have my attention completely on the breath continuously for long periods of time than it is to say, oh, okay, I'm gonna quit now. I find it almost hard to stop.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Um, one thing that I know a lot of people have issues with Daniel Ingram, but one thing he said was about practices. Like you, you change your, your type of practice you need over the stages, you know, like uh-huh. first start, you have like your teachers, like your kindergarten teachers, they know everything in the world. And, you know, you just listen to them. But so say like, the, I would say at like level eight, what the way he indicates that you're on to like your postgraduate work. So now you're into independent study. So, you know, the thing that you were normally considered practice might be different now. So it just
1: might be a different phase. Let's let's throw that on. Okay. Thanks, Steve. I mean, I, I just, I really have just tried to, you know, I mean, my approach has just been to try to force myself to sit again, but, you know, it's not, it's not come naturally like it used to.
0: So. We should probably officially start. Not that we haven't already started. Um, welcome to the Saturday Morning Meditation Meetup. Um, I don't think there are any new people here. Um, so uh, I don't really have to give you the long spiel, but just you know, as usual, if you want to say something and you don't want to have it recorded, let me know. And I'll pause the recording. Um, does anybody want to start?
3: Maybe I, I have a question I can start, and it's related to I think Colleen was talking about. Uh-huh. So uh, recently, my sits, I'm trying to sit uh, two hours a day, uh-huh. and, uh, and uh, probably after an hour, I got to the point where um, um, I'm thinking how to describe it. Um, the um, the the attention is very stable, uh, and it seems to me like. A, Uh, I'm watching uh, uh, the awareness. I don't know if it it makes sense. Uh, Usually I start with the whole body uh, body breathing. Uh, It's around stage seven, stage six, stage seven. And after I achieve uh, quite often recently the excess concentration, I either end up in some first, second jhana or in that state where I really watch. And I have not read the stage eight yet, so I'm not sure... If it's a uh, but I noticed that in previous stages that I sometimes uh, discovered a technique from the later stage kind of naturally arrived to it, so I'm wondering that if uh, that is something from the stage eight <clears throat> uh, where the attention arrives on and it's it, it's really like a, a, I'm observing the awareness and all of the sensations, but it's not going to details it's a not conceptualized, is that I see uh, the different sensations coming and going, and it doesn't seem like the attention is in play. I'm not sure if it makes sense.
4: Yeah.
0: It does. Uh, um, (laughs) So what's, I guess, what's the question? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)
3: Uh, i 'm not sure if that it's uh i 'm strongly pulled to this uh kind of um, practice so it 's hard for me to come back to the breath and uh, uh, and I, so i don 't know if it 's something from stage eight I should probably read it and that maybe clarify some of this for me uh, but it just occurred to me this question after this this discussion with colleen uh so I'm not sure if this is a practice or if it's uh, valuable or if I should continue with it. But it's—it seems to me that I—it's—I'm I, uh, pulled towards it and uh, I'm enjoying it because it becomes very—it um, uh, brings a lot of uh, joy mm-hmm. when I'm doing it for uh, for some time. Um, so my question is more like: if it's a technique, uh, I should probably read the stage eight, and <laughs> it was clarified for me, or maybe I don't know. Uh, if it's uh, something in relation to choiceless awareness, uh, does it make sense? So yeah. You,
0: Looks like Sam has uh, something to say about this.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, Peter, I, think I should try uh, like stage nine. They try the meditation on the mind. That sounds a lot like a type of state that you go from for the meditation on the mind. I don't know if you've read that.
3: Nope, not yet, not you.
5: Yeah, I mean, cause it's like, a, there's a, a awareness and attention like your, your, your attention gets big enough to where um, there isn't so much of a distinction between attention and awareness anymore. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sounds like what you're uh, uh, just inadvertently uh, getting to without really intending to.
3: Um, okay.
5: So yeah, I would definitely read that.
3: Thank you, thank you. And maybe I have a little uh, follow up question. Um, I, I s- noticed that regarding jhanas. When I'm doing jhanas, I, in past, I will, had a tendency to try to categorize them and, and, and name them. And I was like, okay, this is a first jhana. Okay, this is a second jhana. Oh, now I'm back in the first jhana. But recently, I found it uh, not valuable, maybe even the other way around. So I just rather let the mind uh, do what she wants, what it wants. Um, Instead, And I was wondering if I should maybe make sure that I am sticking to the technique. So I am, for example, doing the right thing as the techniques are described in the book, or I just let my mind do what it feels like doing. Any direction there, any ideas?
5: Um, It sounds to me like you're an adept meditator. Um, So you don't really need much direction. like uh, so, the Jonathan. Like uh, you, you should just try letting go. Just try try letting it do it do its own thing. Um, because it sounds like you're at least in stage seven, right? Stage seven, stage eight.
3: Yeah, probably stage six, stage seven. I would normally say, but sometimes I uh, arrived, especially during these two-hour sits, I arrive to this. Uh, let's say, practices. And so I was wondering if it's a stage eight, but I didn't kind of uh, yet read the book, so.
5: (laughs) Yeah, uh, if you're doing the jhanas, just try, um, one thing you can like, look at is just, uh, look at when the flaw of the current jhana comes up, and like, your mind will just notice the flaw eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, And if you just sort of uh, let your mind go in the direction of jhana. Um, I've had these experiences where you just like let it go, and then it uh, it's almost like your your mind will just uh, go up the jhanas on its own, mm-hmm. because it'll be in the first jhana, and then you notice there's this irritation of having to continually pay, continually pay attention to it to keep it going. And so you notice that flaw, and then it automatically Bumps you up into the second jhana and you notice the flaw second jhana. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you could probably do that successfully. And well, I mean, it's like not like you're doing anything, you're just like letting it happen in a way.
3: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Sam. Steve, you have your hand up.
2: Uh, yes. Um... You know, this, um, in the finders course, um, the one uh, section is on pure conscious experience. Yep. And I was wondering, Ted, what do you think of that technique that is used there? Is that similar to what uh, we've been talking about uh, today about the uh, open awareness or, or, you know, the way that people have been describing their meditation? Would potentially that be a beneficial practice?
0: So there are th- there are at least three practices that I can think of in the finders course that are basically attention oriented, or sorry, awareness oriented. One is the group awareness practice. One is the um, uh, the headless way practice, and the third is PCE. But to me, PCE is actually more attention. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's to me it feels like PCE is is explicitly using attention to create um, an experience of dependent arising. Um, so I wouldn't really classify PCE as an awareness practice. I think that when you're in the place that Peter is in, if you're able to do that off the cushion, PCE should be very accessible. But, um, so in other words, the, 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 that state of awareness is useful for PCE, but then to actually do the PCE, you actually need to use attention, but it's pretty easy to use attention to do PCE because you're looking at something. So,
3: yeah,
2: I, I agree with you. It's you know, I've been practicing it this week, actually, a little bit. And what I've been seeing is where once I uh, fix the attention, uh, so I have stable attention, then I really just focus on the awareness. So say if I'm looking at the bubbling river, so yep. instead of keeping my attention or, you know, instead of being my awareness is more on, like, say, the, the scenes that are in the objects that are, In the frame but are not the main focus like say grasses or branches or tree or something that's between me and the the bubbling river so it seems like then it's a good chance to focus on uh, the awareness part but thanks appreciate it Yeah.
0: yeah I mean there are a lot of practices where you're kind of like getting into a certain state and then you're doing something that just slightly morphs that state and this I think the slightly part of it is actually important because it's not a lot of effort and so you can just keep doing it. And after a while, you're like, oh, and something shifts. But anyway, um, so let's see. Uh, that was Steve. Uh, I believe Carrie's hand was up next. Oh. Carrie, we're not hearing you. Oops. I, I'm, I heard you say oops.
6: <laughs> okay is it just volume
0: uh perhaps yeah
6: maybe somebody else should go while i find the well, I,
0: I can understand what you're saying now so if you just want to talk it's
3: fine
6: okay is that loud enough yeah okay so i have so many questions Um that I don't quite know where to start, but I think I have a plan of action, which I'm gonna kind of run by you and the questions might kind of come out All right. with it. Um, but So I tend to have um, very um, intense um, sensations like PD Mm-hmm. while I'm sitting and with an overabundance of energy. And I sometimes like have trouble settling it down mm-hmm. and still having um, distractions. There are occasionally moments when I'm probably, when I feel like that even the subtle distractions might be going away for a bit, but um, it really, takes me a very, very, I think I'm experiencing monkey mind, like a stage six monkey mind, a very Mm -hmm. intense stage six monkey mind is where my mind is just going everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's almost painful to try to focus it on the breath. And this is probably things I've all said before um and I've had the most success by just trying to totally completely relax, letting everything through the fire hose, regardless. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can relax enough so that I can actually sense the sensations at my nostrils, which are otherwise completely overwhelmed, um, in the midst of the forest of sensations. Um And I can pretty much do that reliably every sit. Um, And I still have to kind of be careful not to over relax. Um, And, but I still have the problem that it might be craving, but when I do find the sensations, it's hard to maintain. I have to go back to the relaxed thing. So the whole thing, the whole sit is a game of setting up the conditions so that I can do things rather than actually doing anything. It's like, it, it happens by itself if I, if I get myself in the right state of mind. And, yeah. But getting myself in the right state of mind is very hard and – accompanies by a lot of mind kind of um gross distractions just recognizing how i'm not relaxed and relaxing consciously and i can feel just a surge of change every time i release something but it's kind of whack-a-mole i I think um tucker called it that as you relax one thing then you realize that something else popped up Mm -hmm. and So, I mean, the sits are interesting. Um, Sometimes I get a little too intense and a little too uncomfortable. Um, And I'm pretty sure if I just gave up, I would just kind of snap into a type of flow, but without any control over my attention. Mm -hmm. But... I do think that it's important for me to develop the skill to be able to actually um, at least intentionally direct my intention where I want it to go and maybe have some reliability of it staying there and not having to play such games. And I also think that there's some kind of purifications that I've been avoiding, which might be, related to all this tension. Um, And yeah. Oh, oh, and because I think a lot of my techniques that I'm doing are things I've kind of discovered that seem to be more like stage eight things. Like I think I've been doing a lot of this merging attention and awareness kind of thing as a way of being able to handle the fire hose Um, and trying to kind of just take it all in, but maybe pick something out of it or something like that. But it's,
0: so, um, I can make a couple of observations. Okay. One is, um, it does sound like, uh, you're trying to control the process Mm -hmm. and you can't. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, as long as you continue trying to control the process, you are going to have problems.
5: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think the reason that you're trying to continue to c- control the process is because it is out of control. And when you stop trying to control it, it feels like it's not going as well, or it feels like it's not doing the right thing. And you kind of need to let go of that idea because um, what you described earlier, where uh, when you let go, it feels like, um, I can't remember exactly how you put Snap it. Tap
6: into flow?
0: Well, not that, actually. Okay. Although, although that's, that's a pretty important clue, right? Yeah. But, um, but no, when you're actually like, trying to follow the breath
7: mm-hmm.
0: and you let go, it seems to go well, but it's really hard to let go. The reason mm-hmm. it's maybe hard to let go is because there's still this idea that, that, that you're somehow going to control it. And so, if you let go sometimes it goes well, and other times it goes off the rails and mm-hmm. and so you don't want to let go because it might go off the rails, but actually, you have to let it go off the rails and then yep. once it 's gone off the rails, then notice that it 's gone off the rails and come back that's yep. you, you, that's the that's the process that you need to start um, really internalizing because yep. um if you uh if you don't let yourself, if you don't let yourself uh, release that control, then mm-hmm. you're always going to be in the situation where there's this like constant feedback mm-hmm. loop going on, and yeah. it's going to be really intense, and there's going to be a lot of noise and a lot of struggle, and yeah. you're going to have all kinds of fun experiences, but just what you described. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I would really focus on. I shouldn't say focus on, but I would, <laughs> I would, um, I would encourage you to, uh, to explore the letting go. And, and you, what will happen is when you start letting go, you'll find that you encounter a lot of new problems. And so it's going to feel like, Oh, I've wrecked my meditation. Uh, you know, because I used to have this meditation that was really interesting and was going in this fun direction. And now yeah. it's not going in that direction anymore because I've relaxed. And so You may find, for example, that you have to find a different way of dealing with uh, gross and subtle dullness. Uh, You may find that you have to find a different way of dealing with distractions. Uh, When you talk about, like, you have distractions where you're, like, having this judgment about your meditation,
5: Mm -hmm.
0: um, you know, you need to figure out how to deal with those distractions because, you know, you're going to have judgments about your meditation, especially if if you let go of something that felt like it was keeping your meditation in control. So, um, so part yeah. of your job is going to be like, like noticing the judgments come up and allowing them to come up and, and allowing them to go in, in their own time and not trying to control them.
6: Well, I think that those, the ones that I'm conscious of that is, are, I'm fine with, cause I can watch them and laugh at them.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: It's the ones that I'm unconscious of that are the problem.
0: So so, when you say you're unconscious of them, do you mean that they don't actually wind up in attention? They're just sort of in the background.
6: Meaning, I'm just assuming they're there.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that would be an example of um, a thought that's in an awareness and not in an attention. And if it's in an awareness and not in an attention, it's not a problem. Stop worrying about it. Okay. Right? Like, at some point it might come into attention and you might have to deal with it, but that's not happening right now, so don't worry about it.
6: Yeah.
2: You
0: certainly shouldn't go investigate it because, like, it's actually good that it's not coming into attention.
6: Yeah. So, I might be able to figure this one out as I articulate it, but um, I guess. So I let go completely, and then at some point I say, okay, I'm going to have to make the intention to pay attention to my breath because that can't – that doesn't continue unless I reinforce it, Um, unless –
0: So rather than thinking about it that way, what I would suggest you think about is – setting the intention, letting go, and then uh-huh. just noticing what happens.
6: When it goes off.
0: When it goes off. Well, no. I mean, like, so, so okay. don't, don't get into this mindset that you're going to be, like, continuously in control of the process, right?
6: Okay. Just
0: <laughs> set the intention, let yeah. go, and then at some point you will, you, will have a, you will have a realization that something is off, that it's not going the way you wanted it to. Don't try to do anything before that realization wait until that realization comes and then do something because at that point you're there and at that point you can reset the intention and that's what you want to do because what you're trying to do is not have continuous attention on the breath what you're Mm -hmm. trying to do is train your mind to have continuous attention on the breath and um, and so so no no amount of having continuous attention on the breath is going to help you need to have those little realizations and then adjust and if you're not having the right realization then part of the process is going to be identifying what, what it is that you need to notice and intending to notice that. And then, so, so you should be doing kind of those two things, right? Intending, intending to have your intention on the breath is like the first order piece of, of intention. But the second order piece of intention is I know what happens when I do this. Mm -hmm. I've observed it enough that I know what's going to happen when I let go. And the, and I think I understand how that's happening. So let's see if I can notice it happening quickly. And, mm-hmm. and if you can, you can. And if you can't, you can't. But, but just set that intention. And then when you notice, that's when you adjust. And over time, what should happen is that you get better at that. It's like when you're throwing darts, right? At first, you throw mm-hmm. the darts and maybe occasionally you hit the dartboard and it bounces off. Yeah. But eventually, you start, they start sticking into the dartboard. And later, they actually might start hitting the bullseye a lot. Yeah. So so it's a successive approximation. It's not, it's not like, you know, mm-hmm. I am going to guide the dart all the way over to the dartboard and get it to hit the bullseye. Yeah, right.
6: Yeah. actually, that one thing that I'd kind of discovered was that I have to kind of, if I do realize I'm off, to bring myself back, but to immediately let go, too. Yep, exactly. Again, um, yep. and... And it's, and it, but it's hard to kind of keep shifting. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) this is, this is, this is not easy. I conscious. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've, I've struggled with the same thing where I'll be sitting there and I'll, I'll realize that like, wow, you know, when I let go, my meditation gets really awesome and Mm -hmm. I should let go.
7: Yep. And
0: then, and then I don't. And it's like, you just, you know, that's part of the, that's part of your intention loop. Like, like when you notice that you're not letting go, you need to let go
6: and and i should probably okay <laughs> sorry Okay, if I have another question, I'll, I'll come back
0: with it. All right. Gilbert, did you want to weigh in on this? Or?
8: Sure, yeah. Um, so the, the biggest thing I think is uh, the attention, right? I think the attention stuff is really messing you up because, mm-hmm. you know, you have an intention and ideas. Well, you have ideas about how, uh, the meditation's supposed to go, and even sort of the following the breath at the nostrils <laughs> is supposed to go and like my it 's supposed to feel like this with my uh sort of attention on the nostrils, and then there 'll be some awareness of the body and uh that 's very fixed right and um it 's getting in your way <laughs> <laughs> it' it 's getting in your way um and then you also said like oh yeah, I merged attention and awareness, and actually no that 's i mean it 's not really what you did like it's not something you did like oh yeah that's that messed it up it's more actually attention's a subset of awareness and actually the Mm -hmm. whole yeah the 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 attention uh experience is pretty Mm -hmm. bugged (laughs) and (laughs) a lot of meditation actually is kind of unbugging that attention sort of experience um And so, I mean, I think I very much agree with uh, what Ted's saying about kind of letting go. Um, And I would say, the pointer I would say kind of to be more helpful is just, I think, taking yeah, a backward, like a step back, take a step back and be aware of the breath wherever the breath is and however the breath sort of goes, but don't hold on to that, the think, oh, the breath must be the sensations that I'm used to experiencing at the nostrils and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. That's, you know, all, there's, there's so much of stuff that's sort of embedded in that. Yeah. Um, and you kind of really do have to relax that. And then yeah. um the, the big thing actually is to know what's going on in your experience moment to moment. Yeah. That that's... is so much more important than, um, you know, anything else you might think you're doing or, or trying to do. Or, um, but to just to know what's going on. And also as you're doing, knowing what's going on, you know, I mean, it's great if you're actually like really increasing the power of, of awareness. You're also sort of sharpening it up. Um, So there's more sort of sensory clarity. You're also, um, you know, you're just really trying to discover what's there. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if there are tensions and stuff, being aware of the tensions and not adding to the tensions, right? Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah.
6: I guess I've been concerned that I've been spending too much of my bandwidth on just watching the show. And not Yeah, and and watching how I react to things and watching how what I try to do works or doesn't work or things like that. Um, or
8: maybe you should investigate what? the watcher. And or, or the why. Like why why do you why is even that a problem? What
6: Well, because when I do that, I end up into something like choiceless attention and have not yet been able to get stable attention on any single thing. Like it's only stable if I let it go where it wants.
8: Well, it's kind of like, what's an intention? Um, or so you start, you're kind of really, you're bumping up against yeah. um, who are you?
6: Yeah. Yeah, it's, that gets weird.
8: Yeah, it is weird.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
8: But see, so the thing is like you said you're you're saying I'm not getting that stable like attention that stable like almost like there's a fixed thing right there's a fixed thing inside of me that's like controlling things and like mm-hmm. i'll I'll have this you know this one intention and I'll have it, and then that 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 attention will be completed and mastered, and so then the breath and whatever will do what I want it to do it'll stay doing with that, and then as I'm doing as that's happening. I will control everything else that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I will control everything else that's not me. Um, and so, and then the, the breath will do what I think it should do. There's, yeah, it's well, very bugged.
6: Yeah, th- so I have had experience where for some reason, my breath just decided, my attention just decided that it did want to stay on the breath.
8: And, yeah, it's not to say that flow doesn't exist or flow is not, you know, yeah. but. Um, and. To, go ahead, I'll let you finish. It up.
6: Well, and because I didn't make it happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk through this because I think I just figured it out. Um, because I didn't make it happen. I kind of assumed that it happened based on the circumstances, and my my problem is that um, I'm trying to control those circumstances, which is just as much building the energy as trying to control the breath. Because I have been very minimal about trying to control the breath, but been still noticing anytime I t- try to control anything, but don't know how to do it without controlling anything. <laughs> Okay. I think that got me someplace.
8: And that's the challenge of life. I mean, what you're talking about, that's the challenge of life, right? Things Mm -hmm. are constantly changing moment to moment to moment. And, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a great mystery in all of this, right? There is a place where your intentions sort of arise but, mm-hmm. and and you are, and then a lot of what we're trying to do is work with intentions, to so work yep. with wholesome intentions, but it's not, there's no yeah. control. There's not.
6: Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But there has to be, there's something. Because it's well, not going to no. just happen any old day. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, I
8: know you said, you said something, right? And that's, again, we, we want to narrow things down to, to something. Yeah. And I mean, yes, there is something, but it's not a thing, right? And it, it's... <laughs> so, yeah.
6: Yeah. I'm still caught anyway. between the two perspectives. It gets confusing. They don't really talk to each other.
8: One, okay. you 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 don't really figure it out.
6: <laughs> exactly.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh so I think uh Luis
7: is next. Hi. Uh so I have uh several questions. So one of them is that i asked you guys last week as you guys as some of you know i i started with tmi three or four weeks ago i had a previous practice and uh so i asked you about like currents or wave-like feelings of pleasure and and, and identify as pity by everyone i think so so now i have a couple of things i keep feeling that i think it's getting slightly more intense and longer in duration i think but i'm not sure uh so i have a couple of questions about this number one I think last week several of you guys mentioned that I should try and and see if I if I'm falling into some kind of stable dullness or any different kinds of dullness, and so I've been paying attention to that. I don't think I am. I mean, I think I, I sometimes I do fall into some kind of dullness, but I think metacognitive awareness sort of kicks in. I think so. I, I think this sort of like push and pull of of dullness and distraction. I think it's something I, I'm, I'm getting. Uh, but so one one sort of like meta question is pity compatible with dullness i have more questions but that should be a simple one i guess uh so can i experience like strong pity and and the mind be dull yep so that's one question so and then second one i don't i'm pretty confident i haven't experienced jhana. i've read about it many times but since i think i haven't experienced i'm pretty sure i haven't experienced it but another connection then uh, another question with regard to Relating to pity is is there a connection between these two things? Because sometimes I read about jhana and pleasurable sensations in jhana and what have you, and it sort of like reminds me of some sensations that I have that I associate with pity. And so so again, so again, first question with regard to pity: relationship between pity and dullness, can both of those be together? And relationship between pity and jhana. The second question, and this is my 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 last question, has to do with the sitting. So I'm starting to sit. For longer and longer periods of time it's just happening naturally uh, and so you know a couple of weeks ago I was at like thirty minutes now i 'm like an hour fifteen an hour thirty in my morning sit and so and it feels pretty good it's not i'm not really i'm not i'm in no rush to end the sit uh, actually it, I end up ending the sit probably just because I do have life you know there's life and uh and sometimes there may be like pain in the in the knees or stuff like that but but it's, uh, it's, it's actually not, not too difficult to get to that point. But the question with regard to that is, is it helpful to extend the practice in this way? Like, do I really get something out of the one hour 20 as opposed to 45? Uh, so, so, I, so in order to give you guys some background, uh, you know, I, I feel that during the first 20, 30 minutes, my attention still sort of like stabilizing uh, and, and, you know, I feel distractions. I think I get caught up in gross distractions every once in a while. And, and, and eventually after I think that 20, 30 minute point, things start to stabilize, quiet down a little bit, distractions start to get weaker, more subtle. And then towards the end, I, I feel that distractions get really weak. And, uh, and, and I also feel like, for example, with thoughts, I feel I can start identifying thoughts if this makes any sense before I think them. Uh, in the sense that I feel like pre-thought activity, but I can't really identify the content of the thought, if that makes any sense. Maybe I'm just making yep. that up. So towards the end, I start, I start getting to that sort of granular level of identifying distractions and what have you. So that's what's led me to think that it is worth you know, extending the sit, but uh, I just wanted to get your guys' feedback as to whether I, I could be getting the same thing out of 45 minutes and I for an hour and a half. Uh, so anyway, so those are the two questions I have right now. Again, I, I, I teach, so I'm going to summarize, you know, pity, relationship yeah. between that and jhana, And the second one, my longer sits, I feel that it takes some time to stabilize attention after I do I, I, I feel that I can, be, uh, I can be with the breath more, and, and distractions seem to get weaker and more subtle towards the point where I start identifying thoughts before they happen. But I'm, I'm, again, I'm not sure whether I should be extending my sits like this, or I could get the same with less. OK, I'll stop. there. So
0: the uh, first question that I would ask you is, you said that you don't think you have stable subtle dullness. What makes you think that you don't have stable subtle dullness?
7: Okay uh so that came up last week uh I, I i think so i i think i'm able to identify when i start when when i start getting dull so i i i i see i i think i start noticing the perceptions of the breath getting like less clear and 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 vivid i think even awareness starts getting a little bit Tamer like I can't really identify and I think you Ted suggested like Meditating a place where there's some like bird song or like some sounds that yep. And that's helpful because that that was able to I can then take into account like how is my awareness is it is it okay is it So so I've been doing that and I have noticed at some moments in time oh, you know, it, it, I do feel a little bit dull, like I start slumping involuntarily, I start seeing, and then I sort of like, and I notice before it gets really bad, you know, before I, I get, I'm i getting sleepy or something, and I sort of like, you know, I correct, and I've also tried to pay attention to startling noises, which is something mentioned in in, in, in TMI, you know, and, and I have noticed sometimes when the, when I do get startled, but I've noticed that on many occasions, there are noises that I think would startle me normally, but they're just there in the background and they're processed and I keep going. Uh, and also finally, I've noticed moments. I have noticed moments when I'm really tired or where I'm not in the mood, you know, where where I do notice this sort of like sinking, this sort of, and I I, and I have identified, I've tried, maybe I'm wrong. I, I have identified, that's dullness and that's definitely not what I typically feel, you know, it's, 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 so I don't know. I don't know how that, yeah. that makes sense,
0: but okay. that's what. I'm yeah. So the the reason I'm asking these questions is be, I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what uh, some some observations about what you're describing. First of all, it's not unusual to have uh, the experience that you're describing, where the meditation feels like fairly energetic at the beginning, and then at some point, usually about forty minutes in, might be thirty minutes, but usually it's around the forty minute mark. Um, things tend to stabilize. Things get quiet. Um, it can be very nice, very comfortable, very you know, you feel like you've gotten somewhere, you have like some, you know, the things you were talking about, like sort of, sort of re- recognizing that thoughts are coming up before you actually experience them in attention. So what's going on there is that the thought is an awareness. You know, there's a thought, but you don't know what the thought is because you haven't turned your attention to it. Mm-hmm. All of these things are fairly um, typical when you're able to get into that state after, after a certain period of time. And that's not a bad thing. Like it's not bad to be in that state, but that is, almost certainly stable, stable, subtle dullness. Um, and I say that, so you mentioned, uh, the tests that you use for, for dullness, um, and, or for subtle dullness, those tests are good for noticing when you have enough dullness that it's sort of a stage four problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but they're not going to be good enough to notice when you have enough dullness that it's a stage five problem. So, so in stage five, so in stage four, uh, And and actually just in our daily lives, typically we're in a state of dullness. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. uh, it varies in in terms of how much dullness, but usually we're in a state of dullness. The dullness might be like 30% aware. It might be 70% aware but that means that it's 70% dull or 30% dull. And that's actually fairly dull. But when you're 30% dull, it feels actually pretty energetic. Like, Mm -hmm. like you don't feel sleepy. You don't feel like you're, you don't feel dull. So just being able, just just noticing that you don't feel dull isn't enough. And indeed, um, noticing that you're able to experience sensations of the breath, uh, and noticing that you're able to experience sensations uh, like birds chirping or something like that, again, that's not enough to tell that you're not dull. Um, because in stage five, you're trying to really get, you're trying to go from like thirty percent dull to you know, 25% dull and then from 25% dull to 20% dull. And eventually you're trying to get to where you're down in the one percents and you're really like trying to get rid of the last bit of dullness and you're never going to succeed in getting, getting rid of every last bit of dullness, but that's, that's kind of the process. And so when you're doing stage five, um, what you want to be doing is, is comparing and contrasting. So, Sit, put your attention on the breath. Notice how the breath feels. Notice what amount of detail you're getting from the breath. Okay. Now go and do a body scan. Uh, one of two things will happen. The body scan either will be problematic and won't actually work, although it might still be worth doing, or it will actually work. Like you'll do the body scan. You'll, you'll, it will increase your, it will decrease your dullness. Um, so, so when you do the body, so, so you, you, you check out the breath, do the body scan and then check out the breath again and, and try and compare. What was it like before? What's it like now? Is it the same? Is it different? Um, if you've done a really good job of getting rid of, of stable, subtle dullness, then, um, then doing the body scan won't really change your experience of the breath very much. But um but if you've done a really good job with the body scan, you will probably have a lot of uh, awareness of what's happening in the body after you've done the body scan. And if that's not happening, like you, you, you might feel energy in the body. You might feel sensations on the surface of the skin. There'll be, if your attention is on the breath, they will be in awareness. They won't be in attention, but they'll be there. And if you're not having those experiences, then that probably means that you haven't actually gotten past stable, subtle dullness. So, I would suggest investigating that. The other thing is, um, that period. So, so your meditation goes from, you know, you start and there's a period where you're struggling with various stage four obstacles. And then at some point you're not struggling with the stage four obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that you're, you're at the beginning of stage five, which is good. Um, but another thing to think about is like the struggling with the stage four obstacles took a while. Um, and, it's important not to think that your goal is to just get through that struggle to the point where you're at the beginning of stage five, because what you really want at some point is to land in stage five shortly after you sit on the cushion, not 45, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes later. So, um, so it's, it's quite fruitful to spend time at the beginning of the meditation really working with whatever is coming up and, and treating that as your practice and making that like, like a, real, a real point of diligence to work on uh, rather than just thinking of it as something to get through to the point where you get to stable subtle dullness and then you can work on stable subtle dullness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I would encourage you to, to, to explore that. And, and what that kind of implies is that uh, doing a 30-minute sit is going to be good because if you do a 30-minute sit, you're not even going to be imagining what's going to be happening after 30 minutes. Cause you know, you're only doing 30 minutes. So, uh, so you're going to work on the stuff that you know is going to come up in 30 minutes and that's good. On the other hand, doing an hour and 15 minutes it is also good because you'll get to stable, subtle do and So you'll get to work on that stuff and that's good. It's, it's not bad to get to work on these things. Um, one thing I, I, suggest, and I don't know if everybody here would agree with me on this, uh, but this is, this is just my personal observation, is that it's really good to actually have a time when you're going to stop, and not just stop when you feel like it. Um, and the reason for that is that uh, if you just stop when you feel like it, then there's going to be a part of your mind that's in charge of figuring out when to stop. And you don't want that. There's a couple of reasons why you don't want that. One is because it's going to be a distraction. It's not a big distraction because you're kind of just letting it happen spontaneously, but still it's kind of a distraction. There's there's going to be a little bit of decision fatigue happening. The other, though, is that suppose you get to the point where you're on the verge of some kind of insight. It's not at all uncommon for, uh, for the mind to be like, oh, I don't really want this insight it's not at all common for the mind to, to, to think, Oh, I don't really want this insight. And then if you're in the habit of deciding when to get up, then the mind is going to use that as an excuse to get up right now. Right? So you're going to, you're going to be sitting there. You're going to be having a really fruitful meditation. And then there's going to be a feeling of like, ah, I'm done. And actually that feeling is a lie. You're not done. If you kept sitting, you might have an insight, but because you didn't keep sitting, you didn't have the insight. So, that's why it's kind of good to, to use a meditation timer because then it's, it's not a decision anymore. I'm just going to sit until the meditation timer goes off. Whenever that is, I made a decision at the beginning of the meditation, how long that was going to be. That's how long I'm sitting. I'm not going to get up until that happens. And then, uh, then you just don't have that habit pattern we're operating anymore. So,
7: yeah, thanks. Uh, that's, that's, that's really helpful. Uh, one one last thing and uh so I I I've also towards the end of the sitting, I'm sort of like I I, I think I identified after we, we we chatted, we all chatted last week, that I was over efforting, right? Mm-hmm. Like so I, I started reading I, I saw your piece, Ted, on like the intent note you know, intend release notice loop. Is that the order? Uh yep. And, uh, so I'm pretty confident I was totally over efforting and, uh, and then now I'm trying to relax a little bit, to set, set a strong intention and, you know, let things happen, you know, and, and then come back as you just, you know, told Carrie, come back when I notice and, uh, and, and be okay with that. You know, I do the best I can and, you know, that'll be enough. Uh, and, uh but but i guess i i still is are there like pointers that can help me figure out if i'm over efforting or now i'm a little bit worried that i'm relaxing too much mm-hmm. so during especially i i try i don't know i'm doing this and you guys may tell me if, if this is a bad uh, a bad practice but towards the end of my sitting i sort of like try and let go in the most like let go kind of way. Like, you know, I'm just going to let things happen. And if I'm like thinking, I'll think, you know, if I'm, and funnily, I think this is a very widespread experience. I actually, my attention stays with the breath sort of like without me really telling it to stay with the breath. And it seems to stay with the breath as well or better than before I decided I'm just going to fully let go. Uh, so anyway, so I asked this in the context of should I keep doing that one and number two, like, does this tell me anything about over-effort versus relaxing too much, I guess? Yeah.
0: So it tells it, it, one thing that it tells you is that at least at the end of the meditation, you have enough stability that you can let go. And that's, it's, 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 you know, if, if at any time you feel like you have enough stability that you can let go it's not a bad thing to just try it and see what happens. There's only one or two things will happen. Either your attention will stay on the breath or it won't. And if it doesn't, then you learn something. And if it does, then you learn something. So it's, it's a good, it's always good to experiment. Um, but, uh, the one thing that I would, uh, suggest, so you might try doing that at the beginning of the meditation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what happens at the beginning of the meditation. Probably what happens will be different, but Mm -hmm. that's okay because that will reveal to you what it is that you need to start doing the intend release notice loop on. So if you sit down and you're just like, okay, let's see what happens. I'm gonna have my, I wanna have my attention on the breath. Let's see what happens. And you find yourself, you know, off in gross distraction. Well, that's what you need to work on right then. So, So now you know what your task is for the next five or 10 minutes. You're gonna work on gross distraction. But what does that mean? It means you're going to intend to notify, to notice, I keep doing that, I'm a computer programmer, so notify is a very, <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to intend to notice um, subtle distractions before they become gross distractions, and then you just let go, and you see if you notice a subtle distraction or if you notice a gross distraction, and if you notice a gross distraction, then the observation would be, oh, the intention didn't work, isn't that interesting? let's try again. And the thing about repeating it over and over again, it's the same intention, right? You're just trying to notice subtle distractions before they become gross distractions. The the nice thing about repeating that intention over and over again is that it in this way, not like just sitting there and being like, I'm going to notice subtle distractions, you know, like continuously, but just like every time you notice that you hit a gross distraction, intend to notice a subtle distraction is that over time, what will happen is that you'll start to notice the subtle distraction. and then you won't get to the gross distraction. And now the problem that's happening in your meditation will be a different problem. And now you'll have to reevaluate what is it that I need to look for next. Um, and so that it's, it's just a training process. It's like, it's really is like Chula Das's metaphor of the dartboard is perfect. It's like, you're just trying to throw darts and see what happens. And, and you know, Oh, well the dart's going too low. All right. I better, I better adjust a little higher. Oh wow. The dart's going a little too high. I better adjust, you know, it's, you Eventually you figure out, Oh, I need to do this. And you might, you l- notice the subtle movement of your hand. Oh, I, I, I need to not twist in this particular way because that's causing the thing to, to spin a little bit and bounce off the board. So that's the whole process really. Um, so there, there's never really a time like, like, you know, when you do the, 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 the various things like close following, you're just doing those until something happens that's not close following and you notice it. Usually something will happen. That's not close following. You won't notice it. And then at some point you will notice it. And it's that moment when you notice, oh wow, I was, I was doing close following and now I'm not. That's what you're trying to get to. So
3: mm-hmm. thank you. Really sure. Really
0: yeah. All right, uh, Christoph. Hey.
9: Um, so I've, um, where should I start? Um, I've been on a retreat one month ago with Taka and Upali. And, um, I had a very, uh, yeah, it was a very intense experience, like, um, um, during the retreat, I noticed that my attention was, was much, much worse than like my, my, my stable attention was much, much worse than it had been the weeks up, like before the retreat. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I was in stage six and during the retreat, I was mostly like, um, Um, doing stage three practice. Um, During one uh, talk in the evening, Tucker said that um, when you notice that there's like a brick wall somewhere in stage four or five territory, that might be because of unleft purification, like remaining purification that hasn't happened yet. And he advised to to do... um, some sort of uh, body scanning practice like to to focus on the on the belly part of the body and try to look for um uh, sensations that could be related to emotions so i did that (laughs) and after a certain time i um, i discovered like this huge knot in my stomach like this huge tension which almost feels like it's about to burst open and yeah I sort of like realized that 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 was the same tension that I've always been trying to avoid basically by living my whole life like I'm a very obsessive kind of person and and all those those obsessive um, tendencies were sort of like there to for to not for not having to feel that tension so that was a very very uh, good insight I think um, however, since then, whenever I sit down to meditate, like this tension appears, like it, it really feels like some, some purification, like it feels like it really wants to be noticed. Like I, I, I as soon as I start, as my attention starts stabilizing on the breath, like this attack, this tension starts, um, uh, appearing in awareness and, um, yeah, I've just been sitting with it for the last month, but there's not really anything happening. Like um I've tried to just sort of like ignore it, to to just leave it in awareness as as long as I can. When I do that, it becomes more and more intense up up until up to the point where it almost like it really starts hurting. Like it really feels like there's I don't know, like my my stomach is about to to burst open or something. Um, yeah, when I then switch my attention to it, like it doesn't really do anything. Like it, it, it pulse, of course it, it changes the whole time. It pulsates, it's, uh, there's a lot of dancing of sensations around, but the, the, the general pattern of the sensation doesn't really change. What I have noticed though, is that I get this, when, when I focus on it, I get these hints of emotions that are coming up, like I, I, for example, I feel that there are like uh, tears coming up in my eyes or there's like some sort of anger, but it's not really intense. Like it's, it's, it's just a, a hint of it. And yeah, I was wondering if any one of you had any tips on how I could, yeah, get behind this. If there's anything I can, like the process could do to, to, to work more efficiently or something like that.
0: Gilbert's got a big smile, so I think we're going to let him talk first.
8: Um it's, it's so yes, yeah, you're 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 working well with it. Uh I mean I think one of your roadblocks in some sense is uh, your desire to try to, to work more efficiently with it. Yeah, which, which is, is a not... very obsessive thing by the way. <laughs> it's a purification. So, well, you know, it's it's classic purification, right? I mean, and but one, your idea of purification, I think, is maybe a little too, like, um, simplistic. But, but, yeah, like, it's clearly if you try to ignore it, again, it becomes more and more distracting, more painful. So, yeah, you focus on it. And just be aware of the, the, the changes in it, right? And that's all you really need to do. Just um, be aware of the change in it. Let it be. It's already coming up, right? You got to let it come part in some sense, right? So now it's kind of just, you know, relaxing around the letting it be. Um, and this is not, don't do this to, you know, with the intention of trying to make it go away. I mean, that, there's, um, because of your conditioning, there's gonna be that desire like, oh yeah, this is kind of unpleasant, uncomfortable, I don't like it. So, I mean, <laughs> I really don't wish it's there. Um, but just work with that as much as possible to just like allow it, right? Let it do what it needs to do. And actually, and as it's already revealing itself in different ways, and just kind of notice it, like just you know, um, be with it, right? Um, allow this process to happen. And it, there's a way that it kind of unwinds and unwinds and um will release its energy just by allowing it to 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 morph and change. Okay that's interesting so
9: yeah another thing i didn't say is like i have this like when i sit down like my my stomach doesn't stop making noises like it's it's like (laughs) that's that's good all the time all the time no that's that's very uh,
8: good okay that's funny because in part i mean one 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 explanation for that is when you are relaxed actually that allows that's when actually the digestive sort of uh you know, natural digestive stuff happens. When you're too stressed out and tense, your, you know, your body-mind system will stop. It'll just, it'll stop any type of that digestive stuff. And so that's a truth. And But one hypothesis is that, um, you know, we do have, seem to have so much stored, you know, I'll say trauma, right? But stuff that we weren't able to deal with in the past. Um, and, you know, it just seems to be stored where, I don't know, but when it is sort of comes up, you know, and you just allowing it to be, you will start, you know, tend to, it's very common, Um, all sorts of sort of like digestive processing. Sometimes people, you know, kind of get the runs or, you know, all sorts of, you know, kind of digestive stuff's going on, but that's, that's good. That's kind of just part of, um, you know, some pure, some purifications. Okay. Thank you. Um, one last thing, like I've I've,
9: I've uh, noticed one, something very like very interesting. Like when I when I normally sit down and meditate, my breath is at the moment. My breath is like my concentration is is short at the moment. Like I, I'm in stage two or three or something like that.
3: Sure, um,
8: yeah. that makes sense with the purification. Yeah, but the, uh, the work is the work right now is not like the breath. It's the purification. That the work is being with that.
9: Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed, which is really interesting is that when I'm on the breath, I usually breathe very pretty intensely. Like my breath doesn't get shallow like it used to, etc. Like it, it, it stays very, very normal, like in, in a, in a everyday kind of way. Um, but when I focus on this stuff, my breath gets very shallow in, in like a, in, in a matter of seconds like and and i it also what was also really interesting is that i don't seem it feels like my attention is like drawn like a magnet drawn to this feeling it's like when i focus on it i i don't have distractions it's like it, it it just glues itself on it which is also really interesting like yeah i'll i'll try the things that you suggested um i'm really glad for your help thank you
8: well more just like i mean keep doing what you're doing but like the don't make problems out of, I mean, yeah, right now, the work is being with the purification, right? That all the stuff Um, and keep being with that. Um There will be things like you, tendencies, like, oh my God, like I, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Let me focus on something else. And, um, but the work right now is clearly, you know, just being aware of that, you know, not in the stomach area, right? And all that stuff.
5: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
9: Yeah. What what I'm what I guess I'm worried about is that um, like I feel like this this like these tears coming up, like there's never a release. Like they always like they come up, like I feel like it's ninety percent complete and then they go back down. <laughs> it's like and there's like this craving for it to, to be like released, you know? And that's I think that, that might be one of my problems as well. Like so, uh, doubt.
0: You know, uh, I would, that, that, I would,
8: yeah i would i would i would suggest well, so, yeah go ahead, go ahead
0: i would suggest that 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 um like think of this as like an experience that you're a, a fascinating experience they're having like you're you're encountering something about yourself that you didn't know before like there's something in there and, and the more that you can just be like fascinated by it like what is this like what is going on here? Like like don't feel like you have to like maybe the tears will come maybe they won't it doesn't matter What's interesting is there's something there's some really cool thing that's happening here And mm-hmm. you're you're you have you have reached this point where you're able to explore something that you didn't have access to before You're you're entering uncharted territory and isn't that fascinating
9: Yeah, um, I mean, yes, <laughs> yeah
0: and then just uh, a couple of things. Don't expect that you're ever going to know what this was. You might or you might not. You, you, it'll, when it breaks open, you may see something inside of the egg, or you may not. Or it may not actually break open. One of the other things that can happen is that it just kind of so- slowly softens and s- sort of melts into the rest of you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it just stops. It, it hasn't gone away. It's just stopped being a focus. Of, it stopped being a knot. Like you kind of untied the knot, but the stuff that the knot was made of is still there
7: mm-hmm. and
0: and that 's a good outcome so so you don 't don 't think that you are going to know what the outcome is going to be because it 's always a mystery like i I, I have these things. I run into these things. Every so often I find one. It's sort of like, oh, I found the mother load. And <laughs> they're like, ooh, let's see what's in here. Um, and, and after a while, you just kind of get excited about this stuff because it's like every time I find one of these and get the opportunity to, to sort of pick it apart, um, you know, something shifts. Something in my experience shifts. And it's, it's I never know what it's going to be. And it's never, it, it always seems to be, you know, a shift in the direction of like things are I don't know if better is the right word, but but, you know, more like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, something changes. And, and it's, it's, so, so it's good. It's good that it's happening and just enjoy that process because that's really what it is. It's just a process of, of, of uh, you know, of, of untying a knot and
5: Mm -hmm.
9: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I've been worried about is that the knot is quite, it's quite tense, like I, I, I've, I've sat with it for a month now, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I sometimes get a little tear or something, but... Um,
0: yeah, no, but yeah. don't just, like, it could be that it'll take you another six months,
9: like okay. seriously, I've,
0: I've, I know somebody who went through a pur- purification that literally took her six months <laughs> to get through. And the whole time she was like struggling with it and like, why, why me? I think that might've been part of why it took six months, honestly, but, but whatever the reason, when she came out the other end of it, it was really fascinating. I I remember her before and I I know her now. And before she, she was kind of like, you know, she seemed like she was kind of this slightly sad person who, you know, I could see that she was going in a good direction, but I didn't know where it was going to be. And then afterwards she was like this goddess I don't mean like physically, I just mean she just was glowing with like this beautiful internal energy. And and I'm not saying that that's precisely what's going to happen to you. You probably won't turn into a goddess, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, this is, this is the process that we're doing, right? We're we're trying to move in the direction of more freedom and that's Mm -hmm. what you're doing. So, so it's worth it and it might take a while, but that's okay.
9: Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much guys for your helpful feedback.
0: Okay, uh, so Louis, you're next.
10: And you're muted. Okay, um, so I'm also going uh, through purification right now. And uh, my attention has also gotten really, really bad. So I tried uh, two things, Uh, like for one, I expanded my attention to uh, like stage three from the four step process. So, trying to keep my whole body in attention. And I've tried focusing on the uh, sensations and emotions I'm feeling. And I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do when I keep my whole body in attention. It's easier to keep stale attention. But I always tell myself, ah, you should start uh, focusing on the breath again. And then attention gets worse. And yeah, I'm not sure if I'm even supposed to put a lot of attention on the sensation. So, uh, one thing to, to, to say is
0: that the way that Christoph described his practice is actually a great description of how to do it. So, uh, you know, basically if, if it's, if you can just, just keep focusing on the breath, even if it's not working all that well, uh, if you can't, then that's when to turn your attention to the, to the purification, because at this point the purification is sufficiently insistent that you can turn your attention to it and it won't just fade. Right. Um, so, so that's one thing to say. Another thing to say is like, uh, in the, in the, in the four step transition, um, the third step is not that you have your attention on the entire body. It's that your attention is, is, uh, restricted to the body. So you're not going to allow your attention to wander outside of the body. It's not that you're trying to keep the whole body in attention so what you described is actually more like the stage six practice of breathing with the body. It's not exactly that practice but it's it's like that practice and that's not a bad thing, but it's a little different than than the third the, the third step in the four stage transition um so and uh it it's probably more stable for exactly the reason that that, uh, breathing with the body is more stable, which is that it's it's more difficult. And because it's more difficult, you can actually kind of use it to shut things out. Um, So if if you're able to put put in the effort that's required to keep your attention on the body as a whole, then that's going to be enough to keep the purification from, from really rising to the surface. Um, that doesn't mean that that that's success. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's either a good or a bad thing. You can, you can evaluate that on your own, but, uh, if you want to get into the purification and get past the purification, uh, then it probably makes sense to just accept that, that the purification is going to make things rough for a while and not try to fix that. Um, but rather just, just, do the practice, you know, so, so if you're experiencing, you know, sort of a, a drop to stage two and three or something like that, okay, fine. You're experiencing a drop to stage two and three. Do the practices for that stage. If that's really what's happening, make sure that's really what's happening. Um, make sure that it's not just a big gross distraction that you're mistaking for, for forgetting or, or mind wandering. But, but, you know, figure out where you are and, and just do the practice for where you are. If it feels like the purification is something that's like become present enough that you can, you can uh, sort of investigate it, then go ahead and investigate it. Don't investigate it in the sense of like trying to, you know, find clues or anything like that. Just turn your attention to it and be like, hmm, what's happening here? Oh, I see there's some energy there. Oh, I see there's some energy there. Oh, I'm feeling tears, you know. Just do that. Like, like don't try to make it anything more than that. Don't try to be analytical, for example. Investigate doesn't mean analyze um in this case but uh so does that give you a sense like does that feel actionable to you what i just said
10: uh yeah about the purification like i can feel the sensations right now pretty much all Mm. the time like i can feel subtle tenseness in my face and if i go deeper into it uh, more comes up so is it like uh big enough to say okay i'm gonna sit down and put my attention on this and just see what happens. And if it goes away, I will go back to attending to the breath.
0: Yeah, that you could do that. Um, also if you're feeling actual physical muscular tension, as opposed to just energy, um, you can try relaxing the muscle. Um, not because so, so there's something that's causing the muscle to tense and the, the, the intention to relax the muscle won't necessarily succeed in relaxing the muscle, but it will potentially allow whatever it is that's tensing the muscle to surface. Um so you can explore that and see if you get something out of it.
5: Okay, thank you.
0: Sure. Hmm. Yeah, what Christoph said is really good at treating the purification like it will be forever there. Um like could I could I be okay with this being here forever is, you know, it sounds awful right at first because you're like, no, I don't want this forever. But actually, once you get to the point where you can be like, okay, yes, I can be, if, if this is here forever, I will be okay. That's when it's that's when you have the most uh, potential to release it. Uh, great advice.
10: Yeah, I've been doing that and I find it kind of relaxing. It's also the same when I start thinking about how long, like how long have I been sitting? I just tell myself uh, 30 seconds. Oh. Then I forget about trying to get rid of it. Nice.
0: All right, well, uh, so we don't have any more hands up. Does somebody want to raise their hand? Still have some time.
11: And I have a quick question about uh, purifications like we've been hearing about today.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
11: If one of these things is happening, it seems like the way that most people notice this who are doing TMI is that suddenly they're their stable attention practice doesn't function anymore. And they have to do something other than stable attention and they sort of look around for what to do and there's this energetic thing somewhere that they can identify and that slowly becomes clear clear that that's the the thing that's going on. Um, Let's say you do something that's not a stable attention practice. Um, Should the purification still present the same way or is it the case that you could switch to like an open awareness practice or a noting practice? Um, When you have one of these purifications already, and the purification would just not be visible anymore. Like, I guess I'm trying to ask like, is it the fact that we're trying to do something sort of willful, uh, like stabilizing attention that's making the purification salient? And in the absence of that, would it, is there any reason to believe that it would not be so salient?
0: So I can't actually answer that question in exactly the way that you asked it because I don't know how this is happening. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience that um, when a purification comes up, um, if I go to an awareness practice, uh, it does shift the way that I experience whatever the energy is. But um, it can be quite useful because uh, when I'm doing uh, attentional stability practice, there's a tendency to be a little bit um, compressed around whatever's going on. And so going into awareness allows that to expand. It gives you more space. And in that more spacious context, it's easier to sort of untie the knot. Like Christoph was talking about the knot being too tight. It almost feels like that allows it to loosen a little bit. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, it certainly, it certainly can be the case that when you zoom out into, a, into awareness, and I've had this happen, that I no longer have access to the thing, whatever it is. And, you know, if that happens, that's fine. Like, okay, you learn something. Like, now, either I'll wait for it to come back, and it may come back this week, or it may come back in a year. Or, uh, you know, it may come right back as soon as I go back to, to following the breath. So, you just experiment. Don't, 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 like... You know, it would be great if we had a system right that where we could say, if you do these things, this will happen, but we really don't have that right now. Maybe it's possible to have that. Maybe it's not. I don't know, but we don't have it. So, so it's really, it's really very experimental. And that's just how it is. Thanks, Sure. Yeah. Great topic. I mean, it's, it's funny. We just seem to have landed on purifications today. So does anybody else want to raise anything before we close? We've still got a few minutes.
4: Can you hear me? Yep. Um, I wanted to ask uh, about the hindrances, um, because I think that that is something that uh, I was looking at as an option that maybe was keeping things from going in my meditation practice if it wasn't a purification. Um, And Chula Dasa talks about it pretty early in the book. It's between stage one and stage two. So pretty yep. important. Um, how, how are we not focusing on those enough? Do you think it gets kind of left by the side because it's outside of the, the, the cushion a lot? Or is it just uh, something that is kind of in the background? We try to keep in mind and, and work on it uh, as we can. So,
0: whether you're, whether you're paying enough attention to it kind of depends on whether you're paying enough attention to it, right? Like what practices are you doing? I mean, if you, we've, we've had this theme in the past of talking about the eightfold path versus the onefold path. Uh, TMI really focuses almost exclusively on, on uh, meditation and doesn't really talk too much about the rest of the eightfold path. Um, And the rest of the eightfold path, a lot of it is actually just like techniques for dealing with the hindrances, so um, so yeah, definitely uh, it's worth trying to figure out a practice. I'm in a personally in a weird situation with teaching this that I studied under under Tibetan Buddhism, and so my Tibetan Buddhist teachings on how to deal with the hindrances are really wonderful, but they're very um, they're very much from a Tibetan perspective, and I don't quite know how to teach them from a sort of a more secular perspective. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at the, at the teachings in the Vinaya on, you know, just avoiding, uh, the 10 negative, uh, the 10 non-virtues, um, and doing their opposite, that's a good, that's a good practice. Um, doing the Bodhisattva vows is a really great practice. These are things that, Basically, they're just heuristics for how you react when a certain situation comes up, right? Like, um, you know, somebody has something that I want. Well, like, the heuristic there is notice that you have this desire for the thing that that other person has. And just noticing it is probably enough. You probably don't need to do anything. But, um, But just don't be, like, sucked into this unconscious habit of, like, desiring what other people have. Don't be sucked into this habit of, like, you know, Speaking divisively, like, you know, like, like when you hear somebody talking about, you know, Donald Trump or AOC, whichever one it is that that your tribe doesn't like, um, you know, uh, like, don't get into the mode of like, yeah, there should be this division, like, we should fight that other person, like, get into the mode of like, no, like, we need to come together, like, like, even if I don't know how to make us come together, That's what I want the outcome to be. Let's let that be my intention and not divisiveness. You see what I'm saying? So, so they're all, these are all really useful heuristics for just like, um, figuring out how to deal with the sort of the, 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 the little impulses that come up during the day, like, like the, the desire to fight this thing that I don't like, or the desire to cling to this thing that I do like, Um, and those little heuristics can be really helpful for getting, for getting into a frame of mind where, the, where the, uh, the hindrances aren't as big of a problem.
4: Do you think that, that we aren't focusing on the hindrances as much and they cause a lot more, I mean they literally are hindering a lot more than we you think?
5: Sorry, I, I got a clarifying question. Do you mean like on the
4: cushion or off the cushion? Me or, or Ted? Uh, you. Uh, I'm talking about hindrances um, either on or off the cushion that affect being on the cushion in terms of you're sitting down and you're disturbed by worrying or ah. or whatever happens to be on your mind yeah, that's so, that keeping you from progressing. So, so the thing about
0: all of those hindrances, like like when you sit down on the cushion and you're worrying... Well, there's two things to say about that, right? One is that, in a sense, that's actually a purification happening, right? I mean, really, it is just a purification. It's a distraction. It's a purification. It's situational, right? It's, you're worrying because of your reaction to the situation, right? But, but your reaction to the situation is a hindrance. And I don't, I, don't say, I don't say it's a hindrance in the sense that it's bad and you should stop doing it. That's not how it works. But But, you know, be aware of that, that dynamic that, that, um, that uh, when stuff comes up, when you're on the cushion, that's thematic, that's about what's going on in life, then that's an opportunity to practice, like noticing that, that that your mind has a tendency to want to work on the problems that you have right now. Um, Off the cushion. So like, if you're having like some kind of catastrophe happening in your life right now you can't make the catastrophe not happen right um you you can't like you know if somebody if somebody's sick and they're in the hospital you can't make them be not sick like you're just going to have to wait and see how it comes out right and you know that's just how it is so there um one of the behaviors that, that you want to maybe work on off the cushion is just noticing yourself reacting to it, and seeing if the reaction that you're having is useful or whether it's a waste of time. Um, so like if there's something that's bothering you and you, you have a reaction to it, um, is your reaction actionable? Is there something you can do because of your reaction? If there is. Then there's no problem. You just do it, right? Like, and it might be something you don't want to do. So part of what you need to do is like be like, "Oh, I have to do this. Like this needs to be done. It's not a choice. I don't have a choice about this. That sucks, but that's what it is. That's that's how things are. I don't have a choice. I should do this. Stop resisting. And then the the nice thing about stopping resisting in that case is that, um, like all of that time that you were spending resisting, you had to do the thing anyway right? So all of the time that you spent resisting before you did it was just wasted time. And once you stop resisting it and just do it, then the wasted time isn't being wasted anymore. And after a while, you'll notice what a relief it is that you're not wasting that time anymore. So that's a really nice practice to do. If you're if you if you're in a situation where you have reluctance to do something you need to do anyway, just do it. Like just notice that you're being silly, like laugh at yourself for being silly in this way, and then just do it, right? The other thing though, is that a lot of times, you know, the situation is actually not something that you can do something about. There's literally nothing you can do, right? And then again, there's a tendency to be like, well, but I want to do something. Well, tough shit, there's nothing you can do. Stop worrying about it. Um, and and so, so off the cushion, notice when you're doing that. Notice when you're like having a situation, you can't do anything about it, and you're sitting there worrying about it. Like, how's this going to turn out? You know like I used to do this thing, uh, my wife, Andrea, like, you know, I love her dearly and she, she, um, you know, she's very important to me and she would go off, you know, on some drive to Boston, which is a town that's about two hours away or to, you know, see her friends down in Connecticut or something like that. And the whole time she was away, I would be worrying about whether she was okay. Right. Well, what use is that? Either she's okay or she's not. Either I have information or I don't. There's no point in me spending even a moment worrying about whether she's okay. If there's something for me to do, like if she's late, maybe I should call her and see how she is. Like, is she okay? Right? If she's not late, well, why not just go do whatever it was that I was going to be doing today? So, so like noticing, and, and this is very hard to do. Like it was, it was not like I could just suddenly stop doing it. It's, it's not happening at a conscious level. But just noticing it, being aware of these kinds of themes, these kinds of things happening can be really helpful for just like letting them go eventually. Like it doesn't happen immediately, but, but you can let it go. And it, it actually feeds into your meditation practice because, of course, when you're on the cushion, all of these things become even more dire, right? Like if they're going to be dire, they become more dire because you're like, you're right there on the cushion. You've got nothing else to do but worry. Yay. So work with that. Make that be the 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 practice that you're doing for the for until until you've dealt with it,
4: you know. Sounds that make, sounds like yeah. a plan. Just observing, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thanks. That was a really uh, really good question. We don't talk about that stuff enough.
4: Yeah, it's kind of a lot for the last couple of minutes of our thing. Maybe I'll do a, like a Reddit post um, on that yeah. for the forum. Cool.
0: All right, uh, so we're at 1130. Uh, does anybody have any last thoughts before we close? Uh, yeah, Ted, was
11: there something weird about the emails today? I didn't actually get one.
0: Yes, there was something oh. weird about the emails today. I totally spaced on sending them. Okay, so you, you you actually did get one, probably, maybe, uh, like right before the Meetup. But
11: the link doesn't change from Meetup to Meetup, so.
0: No, it doesn't. It just You can always use the old email.
3: <laughs> All right. I have one question, but I'm thinking maybe to leave it for some other time. Uh, I don't know how uh, big of a question it is. (laughs) You
0: can can ask it and we can evaluate if you want. Okay, okay. Ask quickly.
3: So uh, I noticed that with uh, progress and practice, then uh, um, in work, um, it is kind of affecting uh, my, let's say, invention because, or um, let's say, uh, view on situations. Sometimes uh, I, uh, in a work I'm dealing with the work situation and then in past I had like many ideas like okay this is what this guy probably think, this is what could be and so on and so on. Now it's I would say almost too silent. It's not like completely silent but I'm kind of worried about it because it's um, affecting me and my let's say ideas and uh, different options. Uh, so I don't know what you think of that.
0: Um, that is a really big topic and I'd love to, I'd love to <laughs> get into it in, in depth, but I think this probably isn't the right thing to talk about right now. So yeah, bring that up again next week.
3: Okay, thank I'm
0: you. Sure. That's a great topic. All right, uh, thanks everyone. And uh, hopefully I'll see you all next week. Thank, thank you. you. We'll talking about work.
3: Thank you. <laughs>